Today on CityCast Chicago, artists and activists across the city are working to rectify the one-sided history public monument show. City officials have awarded money to eight projects that will honor civil rights struggles, cultural icons, and people who have been overlooked. We talked to the women leading the charge to memorialize Latina history in Pilsen. It's Wednesday, October 19th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Lead producer Carrie Shepard talked to artist Deanna Solis and University of Illinois Springfield professor Hinda Seif, who are leading the project. Deanna, I'm going to start with you. The Public Monuments Project was born from this idea of, you know, all these statues and monuments across Chicago, across the country, really, are of colonizers. And it isn't proper representation of what Chicago is and ever was. Should those monuments, that some of which have been removed, should those be permanently removed and replaced? Yes, I personally, personally, yes, think they should be replaced. They should be, you know, taken down. Um, monuments, to me, should be works that are rooted in um, community histories and struggles that show, you know, a more balanced way of showing history as opposed to from the top down and how, as we had said already, white supremacy and such. And I think that that's a more equitable view of how people are and how they live. And I think people take great pride in really learning more about the history, their histories. You know, we hear the same you know, history of the pilgrims and everything, but we don't really know the other side of the story. And as we grow older and learn, we're horrified to learn that, you know, no one should be discoverable as one who has already been a part of this land, you know. That's such an interesting way to say that. I've never heard anyone say yeah, it like that. And, and you know, I, when I teach my students, which are mostly in grammar school and high school, especially the grammar school students, when I ask them about, you know, do they feel that they are discoverable? And they're like, they think about it and they go, well, well no, you know, I mean, this is history in itself, you know, that, that we are now getting to see. Tell us about your history in the Pilsen neighborhood. I moved to Pilsen in 1963 with my family. And I've uh, been living here ever since. I actually live a few blocks away from where I grew up. The landscape has changed. Uh, the neighborhood does not look the same, for sure. A lot of us who, who lived on this side of Pilsen, we went to Froebel High School, which no longer exists. In 1969, 70, there was a scene of student riots. Do you remember those? Yeah, I do. Actually, well, maybe I should say... After 69, 70, I went to Harrison High School to do my last three years of high school. And there were uh, riots erupted there. As I was a new student, there were lunchroom riots. Like a civil rights riots? Uh, some race riots, but also it was the African-American students and some mm -hmm. of the Latino students protesting the fact that there were not uh, adequate facilities sure. in the schools. Also, no one was teaching African-American studies or Chicano studies at the time. And there was a, a push from students, especially in 69, when there were massive walkouts in Chicago, which is very, it, it's little heard of, really. But it, it um, 
that continued for a while. And there was a tremendous over 80% dropout rate of students Wow! in the inner city schools, especially in my community, in the Pilsen and Little Village community. As we're talking about this history, especially of activism, in 1979, the Festival de Mujeres um, is something you told me about. And I went and dug it up and found some old videos of it and stuff. Um, what was this festival? And then first with you, Diana, your role with the festival, and then Hinda, how you came to meet Diana studying this festival. In 1979, there was um, Mujeres Latinas en Acción, the Latin Women in Action organization, nonprofit women's organization that combats nonviolence and, and, and also has edu- educational forums and agenda. Uh, it was feminist, in fact, even though maybe people didn't call themselves feminists. The idea was to have a festival that was for and by women to show what women can do in terms of their livelihoods and jobs, etc., and organizing in the community. I just graduated from my master's, and I've been working in Casas Clan and the community for the last three years. I started a ceramics workshop over there, and right now I'm trying to uh, build the community center um, in Casas Clan as a cultural center. It's very, I'm very unhappy to see that in most of the work I'm doing, there isn't that many women, but uh, we're trying to start changing that. And a lot of the women that are, well, a lot of the little girls that are coming to my class are seeing that as a sample. And, you know, they see that it can be done. So hopefully in a few years that will be changed. It was highly successful in the sense that it, it, it reunited a lot of women in the community, including women who were from other Latino communities, such as Puerto Rican community and others throughout Chicago, and and non-Latinas and, and the organizations at the time. The main organizer was Diana Avila, mm. who also grew up in the community, and we were friends, and we ended up working together at uh, Mujeres. And um, Diana said, we did it all because no one told us we couldn't do it. And so there was a very ambitious festival in terms of the scope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to remember that during that time in, in Pilsen, we had already been at the forefront of many struggles, and we were just at, at a point where there where everything was sort of busting loose. And the women in the community, especially the grassroots organizations, many of them were run by women. And these were women who were, you know, had a household sometimes. It was just uh, fascinating to see the strength and the empowerment of these women. So the festival took issue with a lot of the issues that women face at the time and women still face today. Hinda, tell us about this festival and how you came to start studying it. Yeah, so I'm a professor of sociology, anthropology, and women and gender studies. And in working with my students, uh, my Latina students and other students, they really want to know about uh, Latino and Latina histories in Illinois and in Chicago. What do they say they need more of in Latinx history? You know, one out of four children in Illinois are Latinx. And Pilsen, uh, since the 60s, was really the heart and soul of Mexican immigrant Midwest, not just 
Chicago or Illinois, but I learned about this amazing film of the Festival de Mujeres that was filmed by Eleanor Boyer and Karen Pugh. I watched it. And they yeah. were considered guerrilla filmmakers. Yeah. Because you can yeah. imagine what it was like to make films back in the 70s, right? Hinda, when you discover this video and you expose this to your students, do they know this history? I think very few people know about the festival, but uh, aside from the fact that the film is fantastic, there were some things that really intrigued me and, and felt really important to me about the festival. First of all, the festival was basically by Latinas for Latinas, although there were other women allies who who helped with it. You had women who were important or became very important in Chicago. Salima Rivera, a Puerto Rican poet who lived in Pilsen and also had roots in other communities in Chicago, but was a really important um, organizer for Latino arts. Your past crumbles in ruins along the tracks that twist through your heart like steel veins, and deep rumbles of the elevated trains echo the unrest in the minds of the soon-to-be-displaced. Their anger and pride splashed in violent colors, trying vainly to hide the decaying walls, and the long-dead painted heroes call silently for revolution. You had Sandra Cisneros mm. uh, reading her poetry, one of the most important Latina writers. I would say just writers. Yeah, modern yes, writers. Yes, just a hugely important writer. I just want to make sure we connect all this deep history to the Public Monuments Project. You are one of the recipients of this grant from the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, DCASE that calls for new works to be more representative of Chicago. How did you both first get involved with the Public Monuments Project and the idea to, you know, start new work? So uh, this was an opportunity for Latina artists, most of whom grew up in Chicago, to talk about their thoughts on monuments to Latina history. Deanna, how did you feel as an artist you wanted to contribute most to some sort of public monument to recognize Latina history in Pilsen? Well, I'm really interested in, in history and I'm really interested in women's lives, especially in Pilsen. The idea of monuments memorializing, you know, this illusionary and grandiloquent past, right? That, mm -hmm. that that is changing how, what do we as people who have been traditionally um, excluded from these things. And also we have to see that many of these monuments have to do with the history of the United States and colonialism. How do we intercede and get our stories, our histories out there? And the idea that monuments are not really, should, cannot, should not, I mean, cannot be always set in stone, uh, quite literally, that we can, there are many different forms and ways of creating monuments. And that is sort of the beauty of the discourse today and what's happening with monuments, right? So as an artist, do you have a vision of what an actual, quote unquote, monument in Pilsen would look like? And would it be wrong for it to be, quote, literally set in stone? 
Yeah, it wouldn't be wrong to have a permanent monument, but I think that there are other ways that monuments can travel, can be um, have wider, wider reach. But the other thing is, um, it can live digitally and travel digitally. It can be a permanent marker. There's nothing wrong with that. The fact, though, that we think we want to reimagine ways that monuments can be and still tell a story, but not the traditional monuments of colonizers on horseback with swords and rifles or colonizers with their horses over, you know, a deceased Native American. You know, we want to have people that have contributed to this country as people who are changing the way that we see each other in humanity. So obviously you're in the planning stages of this. Um, There was a big announcement of what the new works, where they would be, who they would represent. And this was one of them. Is there still a way for the community to get involved to make sure that they can have a say in what the Monument of Pilsen will be? We haven't established exactly how that's going to work, but it will be an inclusive process. But it's it's very exciting. And I think it's not only of local importance, but I think it's going to be of international importance. Traditional monuments uh, across the country, there's actually very few monuments to like Latino rights struggles. A lot of the so-called Latino monuments might be of Spanish colonizers in the West. Uh, It took a long time to have a Cesar Chavez monument in California. And I I think a lot of people know about, let's say, Dolores Huerta, who's nationally important as one of the founders of the United Farm Workers. But I hope that people in Pilsen will be interested in honoring Chicago's Latina history. We will be watching, for sure, Henda Seif and Deanna Solis are leading this charge of what a public monument that memorializes Latina, Latino history in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago. And you'll keep us posted on next steps with it. Thank you for having us. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The Chicago's Department of Water Commissioner said she might not be finished with Chicago. You remember the city's canned water campaign? They're considering selling the cans commercially. All this brought up some alternative ways to use the money, like flood prep and lead service line replacement. I'm going to have to agree with them on this one. Priorities. A bike advocacy organizer mapped out which intersections have seen the most crashes so far this year. The worst in the city? 79th and South Chicago and Stony Island by the Skyway. No shock there. I've been in multiple crashes over there. It's terrifying. And some good news to get you through. The popular Wicker Park bookstore Semicolon is hosting its very first Lit Fest in the neighborhood this Saturday from noon to 8. Hear from notable authors, stop by food trucks, and enjoy some live music along Division Street from Polina to Wood. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Subscribe to our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm and share the podcast with all of your friends and family and even the strangers sitting next to you on the bus in the morning. 
Hey, I mean, if you driving, just like roll your window down and shout out to the highway, you know? Listen to City Cash Chicago.